Welcome back, everybody, to episode four of Six String QB. I'm Ben, as always, here with the Frenchman. What's up, Frenchie? How are you guys doing? How are you guys doing? Four episodes deep. Kind of surprising we made this far, right? I mean, to be honest, it's crazy that the uh, the schedule has been, hasn't been messed up a lot more. Yeah, we're, we're doing our best. We're going to get into a groove. Then once the season starts, we're going to be flying, man. Okay, once the season starts, it's going to be all hands on deck, baby. And you know, with the coronavirus boom down south, I might not even be going back for my fall semester. So we might do in-person podcasts. Ooh, I like that. Because I also am almost definitely not going back in the fall semester, which sucks. But for you guys and the podcast, kind of nice. It is very nice for the viewers in the podcast. We yes. have much more time on our hands, absolutely. But big show, Frenchie. Huge show. We did a lot of research for this one, right? Dude, I mean, literally hours of research. I've, I haven't done more research for anything in my life. We have gone through every division, in-depth stats and everything, um, and we've ranked different positions or position sets. We have quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, the offensive line, the defensive line, edge rushers, uh, defensive backs, linebackers, and safeties. And we've gone in and we found the best and worst division at each position or position sets. I'm excited to get into it, man. I got some, I think I, think I got some very divisive grades. Um, and I think that we will not agree much. So it's going to be good to hear. Uh, yeah, I would agree that we're not going to agree. So it should be a lot of fun. Agree to disagree. Yes, sir. But before that, you know, usual got to kick off with the news of the week. Last week, we were talking about your guy, Jamal Adams. Now, my guy Cam, going to the Patriots. Before we even get into any of the details, come on, just give us your take, Ben. What do you think? Yeah, I love Cam. He's probably going to start in New England. I still feel like probably for years they've been doing him dirty if you look at the way they handled his injuries. But getting a chance to start in New England, good for him. That's a system where he can succeed. He's only got Jared Stidham to beat out, which my thing is I'm not even 100% Cam's going to start. I think that's a good point to bring up. I mean, we've seen how, uh, you know, how strong Bill Belichick likes Stidham because he was very straightforward. He said, no, we're not going to get another quarterback. Jared's our guy. I mean, now they brought in Cam, but I think that's, I think Bill Belichick knows that's, that's why he's kind of to a one-year deal that it's only, you know, a possibility. If Cam is good enough from injury, if he comes back and is, you know, old dominant MVP self, then Bill Belichick would absolutely start him. But I think if, he has any troubles whatsoever, Bill Belichick is not going to hesitate to bench him because he'd rather have a quarterback who's 100% so that he knows what the quarterback is able to do in the game rather than having the unpredictability of Cam Newton's injuries. Yeah. If he isn't healed by week one, I could see Jared Sidham starting. Maybe it's a tough time learning the playbook because of the limited training cabinet practices and whatnot. And Jared Sidham's been in the system for a year. I think Cam is going to do very well in New England. Now the Patriots have gone from Tom Brady, who was an old pocket quarterback, to Cam Newton, who's a mix of a pocket and a mobile quarterback. So I think that that with that new element, just going to elevate the, uh, the system that the Patriots already have in place. And Belichick has always talked about after he's played Cam, new guys like Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, how difficult it is to defend a mobile quarterback, which he never had with Tom Brady. So I think he and Josh McDaniels are going to go crazy devising up some nice scheme for him. And, you know, the way Josh McDaniels likes to run things in New England the quarterback is essentially another coach on the field. Tom Brady, at any point, any moment, could switch up the play to whatever he wanted with a look, one call, an audible, telling somebody what to do, you know? So I think that Cam Newton is definitely going to succeed in a system like that where he's able to make as many reads as possible. Yeah, I'm excited for Cam. Even as with the Patriots, not my team, I'm just happy he gets another chance. Maybe even another chance at a ring. And real quick, what do you think of that $10 million? It's not even $10 million. He gets 500000 guaranteed. 
with incentives that could go up to seven and a half million. So if he gets injured, he's going to get paid nothing. Oh, well, that's just a smart contract if you ask me. For the team, yeah. Well, it's a one-year prove-it deal for him as well, so it can kind of be a win-win. But I don't know. I'm still so worried about his injuries. I've seen it firsthand for a few years now. Injured Cam is nowhere close to, uh, to, to healthy Cam. If Mahomes goes down and gets injured, it's still questionable. He could still be his MVP self maybe with a couple missed throws or he's not as fast. But Cam Newton, it looked like he was a whole another person. He looked like he went from MVP to third-string quarterback. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think injured Cam Newton, especially last year with his hurt foot, and even the year before with his hurt shoulder, he's a bad quarterback. And like you said, Mahomes uh, played through his leg injury, I believe was a knee injury, and he was still a good quarterback. Injured Cam is bad. Yeah, it hobbles him. Well, we can stick with the Patriots here, Frenchy. You remember the Bengals scandal last year where they were caught filming the Bengals practice? Yes. I'm not going to cap. I thought that was um, a parody or satire when I first saw it because why would the Patriots ever film the, what were they, 0-10 at that point? That's a good point. I mean, if you're going to go cheat on somebody, it probably shouldn't be the worst team in the league. Yeah, or maybe they cheat on the worst team in the league just to, you know, practice their cheating. Yeah, the Patriots are always notorious for how hard they practice. Maybe they were just practicing their cheating too. They're also very notorious for being good cheaters. Yeah, maybe the Bengals were the one the Patriots wanted you to find and they filmed every other team in the league. That's a good point. But I mean, that fine is not even a slap on the wrist. So the official punishment came in. Patriots are fined $1 million, which is absolutely nothing to an NFL team. They lose their 2021 third round pick. So next year's third round pick. And they're no longer allowed to film games, which I guess is for specials and that kind of stuff. Like Patriots produce videos. A million dollars, man. I'm pretty sure Robert Kraft tips that kind of shit when he goes to the massage parlor. That's nothing (laughs) for him, man. That's chump change. Yeah, I would agree with that. But third round picks pretty significant. The Patriots lost, I believe, a first and a fourth to Deflategate. So they're kind of losing picks pretty rapidly. Not in 2021, though, right? No, years ago for Deflategate. Yeah. But yeah, that is, I'm not going to lie, that third round pick, that's where a lot of value comes out. When you're getting deep into the draft, there's not really any good players left on the board. It's mostly project guys or guys that show a little bit of potential. But third round, you still get some nasty freaks. Yeah, that's when guys like Belichick succeed because they're so good at scouting. They're so good at developing players. And so they they pick the guy that is low on other teams' boards because the other teams haven't done the correct scouting or they haven't, you know, they haven't been in depth with the analysis. So they only see like the broad strokes. And then Belichick comes in, he finds his guys. Absolutely. So Patriots, one of the most functionally sound teams in the league, you know, one of the smartest. Let's head on over to the Redskins, the absolute Mm. opposite in the league, Frenchie. And I don't even know, I might not be saying the Redskins anymore. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, Especially with the uh, the current social climate going on. uh, Yeah, they're thinking about changing the name, which is funny because they've been talking about changing the name for like a decade and nothing has happened. Yeah, it's always been little things, but now that all the companies who are sponsoring them are getting on their back, it might actually happen this time. I think it will. I mean, you, you have FedEx. The field is literally named after them. That's how big of a sponsor they are. So if they're putting pressure, then I don't think there's any, any choice because they'd, they'd have to rename the stadium, find a whole new sponsor. They're not going to risk all that. It's just good business sense and just being smart to change the name, to be honest. See, but you're saying good business sense being smart while describing Dan Snyder. So I'm a little worried mm. if, if there's any guy who could pull it and still find a way to keep the team name and have this like eight year ongoing report on their name. It's going to be Dan Snyder. I mean, it is a very racist name, though. I'm shocked that they haven't changed it yet. Obviously, it came up every year, basically. But the public outrage apparently has not been enough until now. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people defending it and saying that no one actually finds it offensive except for, you know, the social justice people. 
which I don't know. I mean, personally, obviously, I don't find it offensive, but I'm sure there are people out there who just aren't as outspoken who find it. So might as well just change the name at this point, right? Exactly. But I mean, um, at the same time, I did hear a story of a, uh, what do they call it? The biggest tribe in the US. It starts with like a P, I think. I don't know, man. Oh, no, the Navajo. The Navajo, that's what it yep, is. Yeah, Navajo starts um, with a P. It's silent, like yes, the pterodactyl. Exactly. P and pterodactyl, there's a P in Navajo. You just didn't know that, actually. It's how it's written in like the their ancient native language. But um, one of their uh, you know, chiefs, or like I guess like a community chief, uh, I guess it would be like a mayor of sorts for the reservation, uh, came out and said that actually he is against changing the name Redskins because he feels that the logo of the team and the name of the team, it's like almost like a shock factor. And it gets, it just, you know, by stripping that away, he believes that it would strip away the awareness of Native Americans. Really? Yeah. And he actually said that he would rather have an offensive name up than no name at all. Because to be fair, the Native Americans are the forgotten people of the United States. I mean, they have huge crime rates, huge rates of drug use and alcohol use. And, you know, not to be given a history lesson, but yeah, we have fucked them over for decades and centuries. So if they say don't change it, then I'm with it. Yeah, I respect that. It's kind of like the all press is good press kind of thing. We're just getting their name out there, even if it's a supposed derogatory term. It's good for them. It's sad that they're at that point. But uh, Frenchie, you said alcoholism and drugs. So we're going to my boy Johnny Manziel. Oh, yes. So it's official that he's unofficially retired. I don't think he officially said he's retired, but he said, I'm past the point in my life where I'm concerned about football. It's all about me as a person now. Hmm. Probably should have come to that point about time in college. I mean, there's really no point in him retiring, is there? Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. It's like an expert spin job by him. It's like you kind of were retired when you couldn't even make it in the Canadian Football League. But yeah, yeah, sure, spin it as you just got to the point where you're done with football. Has he even, I don't even think he's been training or trying to do press runs or getting on even like an indoor arena league or something. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he's ever had the extreme drive for football. He's always focused more on the other joys of life. He still walked away with millions of dollars, so. Yeah. As long as he didn't blow it on coke and strippers, he'll be doing just fine. Knowing him, he probably did, though, to be fair. I mean, he probably spent all of his rookie contract before the rookie year was even over. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I don't think Johnny Football has any money saved up. They don't call him Johnny Savings. That is correct. They do not call him Johnny Savings. (laughs) (laughs) Or imagine if that was your nickname as a football player, though. They call him Johnny Savings because, you know, he's a big financial accounting kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he will be doing to make money now, though. So I feel like he's at the point where his name values so much that he'll just be able to coast off, I don't know, public speaking gigs, maybe some shit back at Texas A&M, whatever city they're in. I'm sure he gets free beer and free food at every restaurant <laughs> there, though. So he won't have to worry about that. Absolutely. He won't have to worry about that for a while. Our last bit of news here, Frenchie. Chris Jones, so he's franchise tagged, looking for a long-term deal with the Chiefs, and he's saying he will hold out if he does not get a deal before the season. Mm, so we're going to have another Le'Veon Bell in our hands. We could, or it could also be something like Aaron Donald where he got his deal before the season. That's true. I mean, I think they're going to pay him. I don't know. I'm not 100% on that because the Chiefs had a similar situation last year with D. Ford, traded his ass. So you think they're going to trade him? Or do you think they're going to trade him next year? I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. I think if they can get him to play on the franchise tag, they'll probably try to do that. But if he's serious about holding out, we might see him get traded. I mean, that's true. The Chiefs aren't, you know, they just came off a Super Bowl win. They're not dying to keep guys on their roster. for to be. And, you know, Chris Jones is, is really good. But the Chiefs defense could do without him because the Chiefs defense is their offense. 
Yeah, and another thing is, once Patrick Mahomes signs his deal, it's going to be what forty million a year. Yeah, you can't really be spending another twenty million a year on a defensive tackle if you want to have anything else on your roster. You're right. I think they might get him to play on the franchise tag and then possibly trade him, or honestly, they might even cut him as a sign of you know, fuck you for trying to ask for money. We're the Chiefs, baby. <laughs> that would be hilarious, but I would be shocked if that happened. Although, what a what a big dick power play right there. All right, French, you think it's time? We're going to break down the divisions. I think it's time to break down the best and worst divisions of these positions. We're going to start off biggest position of them all, right? Of course, quarterback. What is the best division at quarterback, French? Um, you know, after uh, long decisions with myself um, and uh, a long grading and research project, it came out as the NFC South. Interesting. Now, I, I wonder why you say interesting because, I mean, let's just, let's just list them off, right? You got Drew Brees. Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, and then... My boy, Teddy B. Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I was blanking because I, I know the uh, Panthers got a new quarterback. So, I mean, a lot of the value came from Teddy B because had it been um, uh, your regular starter on the Panthers... Kyle uh, Allen. It, it, Kyle Allen, yeah. It would definitely have been much, much lower. But, I mean, just Breeze and Brady carries the division, to be honest. I do not have them as my highest i will reveal that later mm. but yeah i i agree with you they were definitely in the consideration i mean you got two legends of the game and breeze and brady although i would say that if you're basing it on today's talent i don't think they're two of the best quarterbacks in the league anymore i think they've definitely slipped with age matt ryan's still very good not the biggest teddy b guy but you gotta if you're giving credit to depth the saints have the best quarterback room in the league with two backups who could start for some teams I took depth a little bit into account, but with teams that have like just some regular schmo backup, uh, I just, you know, disregarded that. Okay. So my best division for quarterbacks is the NFC North. NFC North. Now, you know, that's crazy you say that because they were actually um, almost tied with the NFC South on my list. Yeah. I don't remember who my, uh, I guess, finalist was with the North, but the South was definitely in consideration. Mm. So I want want to see what your explanation is here because, you know, I mean, yeah, you have uh, Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford, but I want to see how Kirk Cousins and uh, Mitch Trubisky slash Nick Foles got up there. Yeah, so that's the thing. I think you got a guy in Aaron Rodgers who is, I'd say he's still probably top five quarterback. I'd say he's better than anybody in the NFC South. And Kirk Cousins is a guy who I think is extremely underrated. He had a great year last year. People just love to hate on him because of his legacy as a failure on Monday nights. Another guy that gets slept on would be Matt Stafford, as you brought up. We're both big fans of him. We think he gets Absolutely. a lot of shit just because he's in Detroit. He doesn't get enough attention, credit, respect, anything. And the only reason I'm a little scared for him this year is purely because of his back injuries last year, which back injuries mm-hmm. are never good. But I still think he will be a good quarterback. And I was going to say, hopefully, Detroit will give him a chance to show it this year, but they're going to suck again. Yeah, the Lions are, uh, are kind of a sad team. Real quick. Just want to touch on the Bears. They were the only thing holding my North back. Don't love mm-hmm. either Foles or Trubisky. I'm not sure that either one of them is one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the league, but I think the other guys prop them up. For the worst division, I had the AFC South. I had your boys in the AFC East. In the AFC East. Now that I, is surprising. I would say that was a pretty easy choice for me. Pretty easy choice for you. Wow. Yes. Okay, so before I get into it, I'll just tell you why I chose the AFC South. Um, you know, I mean, nothing against Deshaun Watson. That man is, is insane. He's, he's an amazing quarterback. There's nothing against him. I had him as definitely one of the highest grades on my list. 
But then, you know, you get the, the Jaguars and the Titans. Now, Ryan Tannehill is getting paid, but it doesn't make him a good quarterback. He was carried by Derrick Henry. And, and uh, the Jaguars, I mean, they just – it's not looking good for their entire team. And they have nobody to help them out at quarterback. I, I, I love um, – why is his name blank? And I can only see his face, those sunglasses and that mustache. Gardner Minshew, baby. Gardner Minshew. Like, I, I love him, but he's kind of unproven. So I couldn't, you know, bump his grade up based on uh, what I've seen him do. Yeah, I definitely would not put the AFC South down there. I would say they're actually probably middle of the pack because mm. I would say Deshaun Watson, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I still yeah, think yeah. Philip Rivers is a good quarterback. Like, I don't know, maybe like around 16 or something. I think you're drastically underrating Ryan Tannehill. Like, sure, he had Derrick Henry to help him, but that doesn't take away anything from the fact that he was making amazing throws all game. I mean, I'm also basing it off his past experience. You know, this was like one year with a new team that he took up halfway through the season. Yeah, I get that. But like, I also don't agree with the whole thing that you got to prove it for multiple years, which is why people continue to put guys like Brady and Breeze at the top, even if they're not the best anymore. I don't think it has to do with proving it for multiple years. I just think it's, you know, give him a full season. Yeah, I get that. And I would agree that there's some element. He does need a full season under his belt before he can prove himself. But I still like his game a lot. As and you think with just that half season, he's good enough? He's good, definitely. I would say he's good. I, I don't think I'd put him in the top 10, but he's definitely sniffing it. Okay, and now AFC East. Now that's it's not surprising because we were low on the list, even on mine. Um, and I was a little biased with the rankings. I just want to hear your, your reasoning here, Ben. So my thing is like, I would say, I believe every other division had a star to prop him up. Who's that guy mm. in the AFC East? Is your best quarterback Josh Allen or Cam Newton? That's a good point. Good point. I mean, I would say healthy Cam Newton, but right now Josh Allen, obviously. Yeah, and the thing is, like, if you're in 2015 Cam, he's the star to prop you up. But I, like I've said I a ton you. of times, I'm so scared about his injuries. I don't know that we're ever going to see the Cam of old. And right, Josh true. Allen, while I like him, I think he gets way too much hate. He's not the kind of guy you can base a whole star division around, you know? I feel you. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at, uh, I'm going to say, most of the other divisions. I mean, no, actually, every division but the AFC East has a star quarterback. Yeah, that's what I. That's why it was such yeah. an easy decision for me. So, I got you. But, I mean, I took, you know, when the way I ranked it, you know how I did. I did individual grades for each team, and then I averaged it out. So, the average was just lower for the AFC South. Watson couldn't carry him enough. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. I, I stand by my AFC East. I mean, you got two young guys or three young guys if Tua starts and then mm. Cam Newton. Sam Darnold, you know, I like him. But again, he's unproven like Josh Allen. The Miami situation is terrifying. We know what Absolutely. Ryan Fitzpatrick is. He's a bottom tier starter. Or you get a rookie in Tua who has extreme injury issues. That's fair. So at uh, running back, I had the NFC South as uh, the best division for running backs. You have McCaffrey, highest paid, best running back in the league. He's insane. He can make a play out of almost anything. Now, the Buccaneers is what dragged them down a little bit. But then you have the Saints with Kamara, uh, Latavius Murray. And now, the Falcons don't have anybody, you know, they don't have depth. But you got to give some credit to Todd Gurley. He might be, you know, he's not as productive as he was when he had his, uh, his MVP season, but you know, you got to give him some credit. He's a good guy. He, he's big. He can get yards. So I think with the, um, the high value in McCaffrey and Latavius Murray and Kamara it, with the Saints, that um, it's enough to call them the best division. Yeah, I definitely thought about it because I think McCaffrey's the best running back in football. You got a guy in Kamara who 
I mean, it depends on how you rate him. I think he's one of the most talented, but it does scare me that he doesn't get the full workload of a superstar running back. So I don't yeah. know that I can put him in that tier, but he's still a, obviously an amazing running back. Then you got Todd Gurley, who's still great despite all the injuries. And like you said, the Bucks like just kill the division. That's the reason I don't have them as my best. I feel you. Yeah, because I mean, the Bucks have nothing for run. They were the, the team that ran the least last year. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you can make the argument it's the worst running back room in the league. Absolutely. You can definitely make the argument. I mean, if, if the team doesn't even trust them enough to run with them. Yeah. Yeah, part of that scheme, but I would agree with you. It's just, it's not a talented group. But my most talented division would be the AFC North. And no, it is not because Lamar Jackson is a running back. Fuck all you guys. That joke was funny, <laughs> like, what, two years ago? Yeah, exactly. I mean, even if you took into consideration that Lamar Jackson is a running back, Mark Ingram is a beast. Yes, sir. He will eat you up. So I, I, I definitely had him high, too. Yeah. Like you said, I think, and I probably do it, too. I definitely have in the past that we all underrate Mark Ingram. I think he's, he's yeah. not a superstar, but he's one of those really good running backs who, again, he won't carry your team, but he's going to help you win some games. And I mean, obviously, you also got Nick Chubb with the Browns. Kareem Hunt, too, with the Browns. Kareem Hunt, absolutely. And then is Giovanni still on the Bengals? Giovanni Bernard? Yeah. I don't believe so. Actually, he might be. So. But Joe Mixon's the guy there. Joe you know, Mixon, he's a, yeah, yeah. He is a stud. Yeah. I mean, especially in fantasy. They might be a losing team, but Joe Mixon's a great running back for sure. Yeah. Like, his production yeah. was not great last year, but the Bengals probably had the worst offensive line in the league. Last off, you got the Steelers. James Conner, you know, a lot of injury concerns there. Steelers probably are the worst in the division for me, but still solid. James Conner is very good when healthy, and they have a few guys behind him who stepped in last year when they needed to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and for my worst division, I had the AFC East. Ooh, we finally agree, Frenchie. We finally agree. I mean, it's just uh, you got the Patriots who have a running back by committee system and nothing against, you know, Sony Michelle or uh, any of the other guys whose names I've already forgotten. <laughs> they're not they produce as a running back by committee group but i don't think that alone with a full workload they would be able to do anywhere near as close to what they accomplished together and then the jets i mean like Le'Veon bell is questionable i mean he had a, a year with a, a team that was you know falling apart but he definitely was not his former self and that year that he set out took a toll on him and then you have the dolphins of the bills so basically everybody was dragging down yeah, I would agree with you. Like, you would hope Le'Veon's the star who can carry the team there. Again, bad offensive line, but he's clearly not the Le'Veon Bell that we were used to seeing a few years ago. Absolutely. And then, I mean, a lot of people like Motor Singletary over in Buffalo. Again, I don't think he's a star, but he's a solid running back. Dolphins yeah. and Patriots just have terrible running back rooms. Not Absolutely. a Sony Michelle guy. Listen, I'm not a Sony Michelle guy. I, I know that he only has um, those stats because of the running back that come in. He's able to sit on the bench and he comes in when, you know, uh, he's ready when uh, he best fits the, the running scheme. Yeah. And again, I think a lot of it's the offense, although the Patriots offense wasn't very good last year. But you still got a pretty good offensive line. Tom Brady yeah. and Josh McDaniels executing the offense to perfection. Absolutely. And I mean, with Tom Brady in the pocket, the run game is an afterthought for most teams. The first thing they're scared about is Brady dicing them up. Very true. Okay. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Wide receivers, Frenchie, who you got? Wide receivers? Listen, man, we're going right back to the NFC South. I don't know. I guess I was, I was feeling good on the NFC South. First of all, Michael Thomas on the Saints. I would say definitely one of the the smartest receivers top three for sure i wouldn't know where quite to rank him because i haven't thought about that really but 
You got Michael Thomas. You got the Falcons with Julio, Calvin Ridley. So there are some solid guys. You got the Buccaneers with, uh, I mean, I say solid. Let me take that back because that's disrespect on Julio Jones. He might be old, but he is a Hall of Fame receiver. And the Buccaneers have uh, Mike Evans. And then the Panthers, they don't have as much talent. But, you know, I'm a Jets fan. And they have Robbie Anderson. And they have a guy that, you know, we both fancy really well, DJ Moore. Yes, sir. So they, they didn't end up bringing down the average, really. They were uh, a, a bit above average where I ranked them. So in total, I mean, the NFC South just came out on top by a long shot. Yeah, 100% with you here, friends. You were agreeing back-to-back. NFC South was mine again. So Mike Thomas, I would agree, might not be the best receiver in football, but the guy who most people would put above him is in the same division, Julio Jones. You got one and two on most people's list. How are they not going to be the top? And then the Buccaneers with a dual threat of the 1,000-yard receivers. I mean, depending on how you rank DJ Moore, you have five top 10 receivers in the league. That's insane. I looked at that, and the first thing I saw was Saints right at the top, and I was like, Michael Thomas, and I was like, I already know this division is going to win, man. Yeah. Emmanuel Sanders there, too. It's just absurd how much talent they have. Exactly. So for uh, the worst division, though, I put the AFC South. Okay. Because I feel like with the Texans' loss of Hopkins, I mean, they have Will Fuller, who's a a pretty good one-on-one, 50-50 ball, deep threat kind of guy. But, I mean, who do you have? Yeah, T.Y. Hilton on the Colts, maybe. Uh, Yeah, Will Fuller on the Texans. The Jaguars have nobody. The Titans. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Jaguars have DJ Chark. Okay, DJ Chark, that's their best guy. Bro, DJ Chark is a beast. I would say that the best receiver on Titans is AJ Brown. So when you have those names coming up in the conversation, it wasn't even close. If they had Hopkins, now they probably wouldn't have been last, but with Texans trading him away, it's a whole other story. So yeah, I'm finding you a little bit on the AFC South, but they were one of my final two. I spent a lot of time on this one, thinking real hard about it. But I went with the AFC East. So I've gone the AFC East all three so far, which just feels wow. rude and targeted, but it was not intentional. That was part of the reason I didn't want to put them for this is because it was just I felt see. like bullying. But, I mean, you've talked a lot about the Jets' wide receiver talent. It's just non-existent. And then mm-hmm. you got the Dolphins, who, I mean, I like their guys. Um, I'm actually blanking on a Devontae name for Parker. once. There you go, Devontae Parker. Preston Williams, not a bad number two. Patriots, who wasn't great last year. and I mean, they're getting guys back, but it's still not going to be great this year. I mean, you know, yeah, but, I, but you got to give some credit to Edelman. And you got to give some credit to, you know, not a lot of people know him, but I feel like Nikhil Harry has potential. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a big Nikhil Harry guy at the draft. Still not the biggest Nikhil Harry guy. But I would agree that should he come into his own, the Patriots could have a pretty good wide receiver core. You know, Edelman, he's a good slot guy, although I definitely think he's going to suffer with Brady out the door and Cam in, who doesn't really throw to the slot very much. And Absolutely. Mosinu, our, our guy from our hometown. Absolutely. Got a rep. South Brunswick strong. Yeah, we love you, Sanu, but no offense. You're not a superstar wide receiver. He's a good receiver when it comes to, you know, he knows how to run his route, but he's not anything. He doesn't have that, that playmaking potential, that top receivers, the well-known like Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, um, and Larry Fitz, especially back in his prime. Those guys on a play, you could know exactly what route they're running and they still beat you. You know, what I want to see, Frenchie, Patriots, their QB room still up in the air. Unleash our boy Sanu. We've seen him. That dude has a cannon. I'm not going to lie, man. I, did you see the, uh, the video on YouTube, the Madden ratings adjuster? Yeah, I did. Sanu complained about how his throw power was low, so they came out and they bumped it up. He threw yeah. 55 yards. 
Yeah, they had a, I remember that it was on the Left Go show and they had it next to a bunch of different NFL quarterbacks. And I think he out threw Matt Ryan, his old quarterback, which was hilarious. Damn. And we've seen him throw in game too. He's got a tight spiral. Yeah, snooze a baller. Definitely. I hope the Patriots unleash him this year. Like the amount of trick plays like, you can run with Edelman and Sanu. Absolutely. That's what I'm thinking. I, I, that's exactly what I was about to say. I was going to say, if Bill Belichick uses Sanu as a Taysom Hill type guy, it's going to be over for the league. That would be fun. I'm surprised the team hasn't given him more opportunities because he's proven it. He was an old school quarterback. He's, isn't he still perfect completion percentage in the NFL? Uh, I believe so. I think so. I don't think there's been a single trick play with him where he's throwing a bad pass. I want to see it. I know he's our boy and we're probably a little biased, but I, I want to see it so bad. I do too. So, you know, moving on to uh, tight ends. This one was hard because, you know, as we've said before, you either have a good tight end or a bad tight end. There's really no in between. After looking at all the divisions, I have to say the NFC West. The NFC West, okay. Personally, I mean, like, the, the only other contender really uh, seems to have been uh, the AFC North. Really? Um, yes. You're not even going to list the division I picked as a contender. I'm shocked. Wow, that's crazy. But, um, yeah, I might have graded the Seahawks a little high with Greg Olson, but you have the 49ers. They have. Kittle, and he's the, the best tight end in the league by far. Uh, you know, the Rams have Higby and Everett, so they're not really good, but they have depth and they have reliable guys, so I give them an okay grade. The Cardinals took them down, obviously. Yeah, I was not as high on them as you were. I definitely thought about it because obviously when you have the best player at the position in the league, you're going to be in the consideration in Kittle. And I do like the Rams guys a lot with you. I think they don't get enough credit. Tyler Higby went off at the end of last year. Gerald Everett Absolutely. had some good play as well. And Greg Olson's still good despite being old, but the Cardinals are terrible. They have Max Williams, and he spells Max with two X's. <laughs> like, either just go with one or commit to three and be a porn star. <laughs> uh, I was not expecting that, Ben. That's a good turn, I like. Yes, but my best division, again, you didn't give them any credit, and I'm surprised. I went with the AFC West. So you went NFC, I went AFC. Yeah, so if George Kittle's the best tight end in football, I think Travis Kelsey's got to be number two, right? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that's a doubt. I mean, uh, we, we posted on the page on Six String QB, and I did reply um, with um, Kittle and Kelsey being my top two. Just curious, who was your third? Because I believe we asked for the top three. Who was your third? Uh, my third? Now, this is very divisive. It was in between Zach Ertz and OJ Howard. Really? Yes. Wow. Yes. Y'all sleep on him, man. Y'all sleep on him. Everybody listening to this podcast sleeps on him. Why Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Jameis Winston can't throw. So it gets <laughs> overlooked. But I feel like when we're grading tight ends, a lot of people end up thinking of tight ends as, you know, how they're used nowadays, mostly as receivers. But OJ Howard is a mean, and I mean, absolutely nasty blocking tight end as well. So I think that with that dual capability, he just brings too much value. I am a fan of OJ Howard, but I don't know that I put him up there for the top three. I thought you were going to say Zach Ertz versus Mark Andrews, which probably is what I would go with. I mean, yeah, absolutely. But I don't know, man. Zach Ertz and Mark Andrews, now they're guys who in the red zone, absolutely dangerous. You got to look out for those guys. They'll sneak up on you and they're really good. But I think that their they're blocking just doesn't give them the same versatility that OJ Howard mm -hmm. has. And I would also say Zach Ertz is like the ultimate possession receiver. Everybody yeah. talks about how much they double team him and how threatening that makes him, but that's because the Eagles have absolutely zero receivers. <laughs> exactly. When all your starters go down to injuries, it's kind of hard to go to anybody other than Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. 
Yeah, like George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, they can take it 60 yards to the house. Zach Ertz will move six yards if he's lucky. Exactly. Now, Dallas Goddard, he'll take it to the house. I do like Dallas Goddard. That's true. That They have two. Like, Dallas Goddard's probably a top 15 tight end, so they got two yeah. good guys. But, yeah, back to the AFC West. Besides Travis Kelsey, you got Darren Waller, who I actually forgot to mention. He might be my third best tight end in the league. Now, I've, I, he's high in the conversation, but I don't know about top three for myself. I think he would be probably, if I had to rank him, about number six, just outside the top five. Yeah, I mean, you seem to take blocking highly into count, and I don't think he's a very good blocker. I'm not 100% yeah. on that, but I believe that is a weakness for him. But as weapons, he showed last year, the dude's a monster. I think he had over 1,000 yards on a not great Raiders offense, especially yeah. passing the ball. And then Absolutely. in L.A., you got Hunter Henry, who has dealt with a ton of injuries, but yes, whenever he's on the yes. field, he's, he's but, a beast. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Hunter Henry is a, uh, a scary tight end to go up against. Yeah, definitely. And finally, you got Denver, who has Noah Fant, a young up-and-coming guy. He was a first-round pick for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, essentially, if you're a first-round pick at tight end, you got to be insanely talented. Mm-hmm. I like it. Now, for the worst, uh, I mean, we're right back to home, baby, AFC East, man. Because who can you name? Can you name one tight end from the Dude, AFC East, man? It was hilarious. Like, again, no, I'm, you can't. I went yeah. looking through the names. I did not recognize even the Jets tight end. I was looking like, who are these people? I'm with you. I have the AFC East again, which I have picked the AFC East as the worst division for all four. It, again, it just feels so mean, but this one was without a doubt. Like I know a ton of NFL players and those yeah. depth charts for both, all four teams were shocking. There's not one good tight end. Not one. Not even, I would say they barely scratching above average, even average. Yeah. A lot of people defend Mike Gusecki in Miami. I mean, I think he's decent. He came out as a red zone threat. And then, like yeah. you said, you're a blocking guy. He doesn't block for shit. Yeah. Those teams, the Patriots, obviously, um, before they had Gronk and Hernandez, so they were very strong, but they haven't had anybody since. And then the Bills, Dolphins, and Jets, just they rotate tight ends every year. I don't think I've ever seen a tight end on the Jets for more than two years. Yeah. I mean, again, it's just that might have been. Would you agree that was the easiest choice? Oh, yeah. Easiest yeah. choice by far. It, it wasn't even a question because I went in thinking like, oh, yeah, I don't think it's a very good division. And then I looked at the depth charts and I was like, that was 10 times worse than I ever could have imagined. Exactly. So uh, who do you want to start with on defense? Well, you want to just bang out the offense and do the offensive line first? Oh, yeah. I'll do offensive line. So obviously this was hard to grade. Um, yeah. Obviously we are not film guys. Yes. You know, we do our yes. best with the offensive line, but we're not experts. We're not grinding the film yeah. all day. Neither this of us is- played professional football. Basically, how I did it was if I heard your name before, um, you're, you must be really good. But at the end of the day, the best O-line division was actually the AFC West. Ooh, are we on a streak here? I'm agreeing with you again. Okay, no, we disagreed on the tight ends, but we have been agreeing a lot recently. Yeah, we have. But at the end of the day, I think they're one of the most consistent divisions with offensive lines. I looked through the other divisions, and it was always like one or maybe two teams that almost lack an O-line sometimes, uh, like terrible guys, guys that, you know, were maybe two years into the league, very young. So it's not that good of a line because, you know, compared to other positions, as your age increases on the line, for at least offensively, not so much defensively, but I think your value actually goes up. Yeah, I mean, that's the, I believe everyone pretty much agrees, that's the hardest division to transfer from college to the pros. That's yeah. why so many teams, if you see them starting a rookie guard or a rookie tackle, you just know that offensive line is going to be bad. Yeah. I mean, other than Quentin Nelson on the Colts. Yeah, he's a major anomaly. I mean, a guard getting drafted six overall 
You know how yeah. good you have to be? There was Hall of Fame talk before he was even drafted. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's the thing with the offensive line is if you stand out, you're going to get a job because every team in the NFL needs it. It's the offense. If you have a bad old line, your offense is going to struggle. And if you have a really good old line, you could have mediocre guys. It doesn't matter how good an individual player they are. The plays are still going to run as usual and they're going to be consistent. Yeah. And I think um, we all do this where we never give the O-line credit and we only shit on them, which made it so fucking hard to pick a best division. But we both end up going with the AFC West. And now, I, mean, but I actually want to hear what you have to say for the worst division. Yeah, all right. I'll give my, I'll give my worst and then I want to talk more about the West real quick. But I went the NFC West as the worst division. NFC West. Oh, now we both went NFC, but I went NFC North. Okay, but yeah, real quick back to the AFC West. I mean, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. You got to have a good offensive line for that. And I think they did. Obviously, in the Super Bowl, they kind of got beat down by the 49ers, but that's what happens to everybody. And the Chargers had a terrible offensive line last year, but they made some moves to repair it, trading for Trey Turner, signing Brian Bulaga. I think the Raiders have probably the most underrated offensive line in the league. They're just a group of oh, monsters. I, I, don't know, I don't know about you, but I don't think the Raiders are underrated at all. I mean, most passive NFL fans, and I was a passive NFL fan until we started uh, this podcast, and I really started looking in-depth at players and how teams uh, perform. But no, like, I don't know what it is with the Raiders, man, but I look at them, and, like, it doesn't matter what name they have on the line. I could just tell they're going to be good. I thought you were going to trash the Raiders and say they can't be underrated because they suck. But, yeah, I mean, Josh Jacobs, a lot of his success was due to how great of a job Trent Brown Richie Incognito, all those guys just paving the way for him. And lastly, you got the Broncos who have Mike Munchak, probably the greatest offensive line coach of all time. And he turned them from a terrible group into a pretty good group by year's end. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm not going to talk much about the NFC North being my, my worst division. We'll just run through it real quick. The Lions have a mediocre line. The Bears have an okay. The Vikings actually have a really good uh, offensive line. And then the Packers have, like, a mediocre. Yeah. I mean, I think the Bears, bad offensive line. Lions were, the offensive line was surprisingly not the weak point for them last year, which doesn't say much considering the Lions were horrible. But yes, they have a lot of weak points. <laughs> yeah, you can't have a weak point when they're all weak points. But Packers, offensive line, solid. Vikings, I agree with you, very good. I mean, Dalvin Cook's success is in large part due to them. Absolutely. And I mean, uh, just going back to that Lions thing, I would like to just throw in a little uh, quote that I just came up here with myself. You can't have a weak link in the chain if you don't have a chain at all. Ooh, I like that. If we're just throwing out quotes, uh, my favorite quote that I've came up with is, the only person who hates a drunk person is yourself the next morning. I'm pretty sure I came up with that at least. Obviously, maybe I saw it on a TV (laughs) show or something. Or maybe you were just drunk. Somebody told you that (laughs) and you remember the next morning. Uh, So Frenchie, let me do, uh, I'm going to do my worst offensive line. So again, I said the NFC West, and we actually talked about this pre-podcast where, admittedly, I was a little bit wrong about the Rams. I was under the impression that their pass blocking was terrible, and they gave up a ton of sacks, which turned out to be false. They literally gave up the fewest sacks in the league, but I would still say part of that has to do with Sean McVay and Jared Goff, how quick they want him to get rid of the ball, and the rest of the offense lines, Seattle and Arizona were two of the worst teams for sacks, and you got Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, who are two of the most mobile quarterbacks, so you know that. That only helps you to some degree. Obviously, Kyler Murray's a rookie. And I mean, I saw him against the Panthers. That dude would just run into defenders and give up sacks sometimes. But mm-hmm. neither of those teams have good offensive lines. And the 49ers lost a few players this offseason. So I'm yeah. a little bit unsure about them when their big guy coming in is Trent Williams, who hasn't played in a year. 
Okay, well, I think that was perfectly explained, to be honest. You almost have me rethinking mine. Now, moving on to the, the defensive side. Big uh, D. We're going to start with the uh, defensive line. So for defensive line, we are doing for 4-3, yes. just defensive tackles, and for 3-4, three, the three defensive linemen. So the 4-3 defensive ends are going into the edge category. So it's just defensive tackles and 3-4 defensive linemen. Yep. So now this might be a shocker to you. I don't know where you have yours, obviously. I have the AFC West. Okay. I'm not mad at that. Um, I don't know. I just, looking back at those lines, there's just, you know, I mean, number one, we already talked about him, Chris Jones on the Chiefs. Uh, He was my standout player when it came to defensive line. I just, I don't, I didn't really know any names, but when I looked down into into the stats to how these players played and the productivity they had, I found that, you know, the, the AFC West was one of the most consistent defensive lines. I mean, the Chargers were the weak point simply because um, their defense mostly runs off of Joey Bosa. But I, I don't know. I liked it. I don't know what it was, but I went in there. I, I had some good rankings and some good gradings. So I, I just must have liked what i seen. Yeah, I'm actually not mad at your ranking there. I, I agree with you. I mean, Chris Jones, like one of the best defensive tackles in the league. So he obviously holds you up a lot. And the Raiders, they brought in Malik Jackson to try and beef up their defensive tackles, which were a weak point in the past. Chargers did the same thing. They got run all over in the past. They brought in Linval Joseph. Remember his fat guy touchdown against the Eagles where he had to get yes. Yeah, he had to get air immediately after. And the Broncos, Jarrell Casey, they added this offseason. They are always at stout defense mm-hmm. at all three levels. Absolutely. So who did who did you have? So I went cross conferences to the NFC West. Again, you got the best player at the position in your division and you pretty much just have to not lose from that point. So you got Aaron Donald. Come on, man. Like that brings you up a few tiers. And then this one was kind of a blowout, to be honest. The 49ers, I know they lost to Forrest Buckner, but they still got monsters all along the defensive line. Absolutely. And Seattle, Puna Ford and Jaron Reed, love both those guys. And the Cardinals, once again, weighing them down because kind of just a shitty team in general. <laughs> but they signed, um, what is his name? The defensive tackle from the Bills. Jordan Phillips, big year with Buffalo last year. Not huge on him. Think it might have been a slight overpay, but still helps him out. And again, they have too much talent across the division to knock him down for me. Yeah. So, um, you know, in, in keeping with the streak of choosing them for the worst division, obviously the AFC East. I don't know. There's just nothing that spoke to me about the AFC East. You know, throughout all the other leagues, you have teams with one or two guys that stand out at defensive tackle. And the AFC East just, they don't have anybody special. Yeah, I, I've picked on the AFC East a lot, but I don't think, in my opinion at least, the defensive tackle is their weak point. You know, they got some solid guys. I mean, the Jets were one of the best run defenses in football last year, and obviously run defense comes down to defensive tackle play at the end of the day, yeah. mainly. Patriots were an elite defense as well. Lawrence Guy, some other big guys up there. Mm-hmm. Bills have, eh. You know, Ed Oliver hasn't exactly done much yet. Obviously, one year in, yeah. you can't judge too much. But they got some old Panthers guys who – they overpaid, and it's hilarious, but they're decent. <laughs> and the Dolphins are pretty bad the, at defensive the Dolphins, tackle. I feel like the Dolphins are what low-key tanked the AFC East. Because if you put another average AFC East, I don't think they would be getting as many worse divisions. Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with that. They were, it was kind of a miracle they hit 5-11 and 11 last year. Great job by Brian Flores. Absolutely. But I just thought, I believe Christian Wilkins was also drafted last year. So that's three first-round yeah. defensive tackles in that AFC East. So. Yeah, that's something. At least they have hope for the future. But my worst division would be the AFC South, Mm. who, you know, this one was 
pretty ugly. I mean, I talked about DeForest Buckner leaving from the 49ers. He went to the Colts, sure, but that's, I mean, that's about it, to be honest, man. DeForest Buckner's there. The rest of the Colts defensive line isn't great. The Jaguars used to have so much defensive line talent and then decided to essentially get rid of all of them. Yeah. And the Texans, they lost DJ Reader, who signed a fat contract, which I'm happy for him. I think he was one of the most underrated players in the entire league. He was a mm-hmm. massive nose tackle. So they're gonna their defense is gonna be even worse this year. Like I know they have JJ Watt and he does count for this. He's a three, four defensive end, but he can only help you so much. And I mean the Titans essentially did the same exact thing, trading away their talent. Terrell Casey's gone. Still a decent defensive line, but overall I thought it was a pretty bad division. Okay. Moving on to our uh, edge rushers, my number one was the NFC North. Now, this did not take much debating. I mean, first of all, you have uh, Khalil Mack on the Bears. Monster, absolute monster, uh, insane edge rusher. Then you have Daniel Hunter on the Vikings, uh, who also was, uh, I believe he was, if not the leader, one of the top guys in sacks last year. Um, and then you have the Packers, who recently brought in Zadarius and Preston Smith. Those My favorite non-brothers. Are, yeah, honestly, the Smith brothers who aren't really brothers. Yeah, I mean, the only team taking them down would be the Lions, but it, it doesn't take them far enough for them to not be the best division. They just have too much talent. Yeah, I was so close to agreeing with you. Like This was one of my toughest debates, the NFC North versus the AFC West. And at the end of the day, mm. I went with the AFC West. That's fair. You have, you have Joey Bosa, uh, you have Bradley Chubb. So, I mean, they Bob also Miller, Frank Clark. Absolutely. Yeah, so many guys in that division. The big reason was, I'd say, three great teams in the NFC North, you know, Bears, Vikings, and Packers. Three great teams in the AFC West being the Broncos, Chargers, and Chiefs. Mm-hmm. But the Lions, I think, are substantially worse than a team than like the Raiders. The Raiders. We've got uh, Max Crosby, the rookie from last year, mm-hmm. who was really good as a rookie. Surprising late-round pick. And signed my guy Carl Nassib. I've always liked him. I really feel like he's underrated. And the Lions are just terrible. Yeah. I think that's that's fair enough to say that. I mean, it was it was close for me as well with the lines being so bad. But at the end of the day, I mean, you got to give it to Khalil Mack, Dan, Daniel Hunter, and the Smiths. Yeah, it was it was definitely tough. And I should say the lines do have Trey Flowers, but he's not a yeah. take over the game kind of pass rusher. And the rest of their guys are terrible. Yeah, exactly. You can't just grade uh, an entire team well in their edge rushers because they have one guy, unless that guy is obviously a huge playmaker like Khalil Mack. It's not even just Cleo Mack. They signed Robert Quinn. And I think my favorite move from the entire offseason, I thought that was a steal for them. Absolutely. I'm scared for quarterbacks facing the Bears now. They might win, but it's going to be a nightmare for them too. And then, yeah. you know, moving back, um, we have back to the AFC East. I'm sorry, man. There's just nobody again. It's not looking good for the AFC East at all for any of these positions. Dude, honestly, like this exercise made me realize how bad I don't- we are. Yeah, like I don't think of the AFC East as a terrible division. I think it's got three decent teams. You could even make the argument that all four teams are solid. Like none of them are spectacular. The Bills are probably the best team in the division. Patriots are pretty good too. But like I've had them as the worst for I think five positions now, and that's just terrible. Yeah, I mean, I was I was also leaning on having uh, the NFC East, but even just the Cowboys having Demarcus Lawrence is enough to put them over the AFC East. Yeah, there's no real standout pass rushers there. The Bills got some solid guys. My guy, Super Mario from the Panthers. Um, The Patriots were good last year. Uh, Kyle Van Noy's gone. They lost a couple other guys, I believe. But even when they were great last year, pass rush has never really been their thing. It's been more scheme Mm -hmm. and secondary, letting the guys up front get sacks. 
and then your Jets, not great from pass rushers at all. AFC East, once again, bottom of the barrel. Absolutely. So um, moving on to uh, to linebackers. Now, here's a surprise. The AFC East is actually the best division to buy books. Really? A quick I mean, turnaround. Listen, first of all, the Patriots, man. Just look at the Patriots, okay? They have some insane guys. Then, you know, the Jets. I know we're not that good, but and I know that C.J. Mosley didn't play, but C.J. Mosley is a game changer. I mean, for the three quarters that he played, and I know I say this a lot to you, Ben, might not be on the podcast, but I say this a lot to you. First three quarters, the only three quarters he played all season, zero points were scored, and the Bills' offense was stagnant. They were under 50 total yards. And the second he comes off the field, Bills rush back and score 17 points to win the game. So I feel like that says a lot about C.J. Mosley. And then even the Bills, Bills have a really good linebacker, actually, and it's what helps them be such a good uh, passing defense. That coverage of the tight ends, the flats, the running backs, the check downs, that, that forces the quarterback to make those dicey throws. Their linebackers are good, man. I don't know what it is. The Dolphins, again, bring them down, but I don't think the Dolphins bring them down low enough compared to other divisions. I would agree with you about the AFC East. I did not end up going with them, but a lot of what you brought up, there were some great points. It was a, it's a very good division at linebacker. So I went with the NFC West. This was a tough one, but Bobby Wagner, probably the best linebacker in the league. Still going with my theory that if you got the best player, it's yours to lose, essentially, for the best division. And then some solid guys around the division. Nothing too great, but nothing too bad either. Absolutely. And for the worst division at linebacker, I have the uh, AFC North. We are agreeing once again, Frenchie. Once again, man. So, I mean, the Bengals, they suck. Um, That's pretty simple. The Browns, they They suck suck too. Yeah, their linebackers Uh, are terrible. So their linebackers are terrible. I mean, you have, um, what's his name? Joe something. He's all right. No, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone? Okay, well, never mind. They suck. He's the only good guy on the Browns. The Steelers, they don't have anybody I can name. The Steelers do have Devin Bush. Who's very oh, good, right? Young I'm sorry, guy. I'm sorry, yo. That yeah. disrespect to Devin Bush. They have Devin Bush, uh, and the Ravens got rid of C.J. Mosley, so they went down. Yeah, I like Devin Bush a lot, even though you disrespected him there. But the second inside linebacker in Pittsburgh has been an issue for them. Vince Williams is very good against the run, but he's a liability in pass coverage. The Ravens are, like you said, since C.J. Mosley left, they have been looking for an inside linebacker, and they probably got their guy this year in the draft. But as a rookie, you can't put too much faith in him. Bengals and Browns are just terrible. Another pretty easy choice for me. I like how we're agreeing recently, Ben. Uh, yeah. I think that, it's that civil. shows that we've done very good research. And now moving on to, uh, I think, one of the most important aspects of the defense in today's game, the defensive backs or cornerbacks. I mean, the pass has become the NFL now. You cannot be an offense if you don't have a good passer. You don't make it to the playoffs usually unless you have at least a decent passer. Um, The only anomaly in recent years would be the Jaguars just because their defense was so dominant. But for the best division cornerback, I actually went with the NFC West. Okay. So this is where I give my payback for the AFC East. You did it on the linebackers. Oh, This one I went, you know, they've had so many worsts. I finally gave them the best here with cornerbacks, but go ahead on the NFC West. Absolutely. Listen, you have, um, yeah, and let me, let me just name off the top guys from all teams. You have Griffin and Dunbar on the Seahawks. Now I know Sherman is old for the 49ers, but he's experienced. Uh, I think he's a very good zone corner and I think he has a lot of value. So that at least bumped up the 49ers. Uh, the Cardinals, I mean, I just have huge respect and I love Patrick Peterson. 
I don't know how underrated he is simply because not a lot of talk happens about defensive players these days. It's mostly about on the offense since that's the focal point of what the game has become now. But I like Patrick Peterson. Uh, he can make plays. That bumped up the grade for the Cardinals as well, um, even though that they're lacking a bit. And then the Rams, um, now they did lose Aqib Tlaib, so that knocked their grade down. But Jalen Ramsey, I mean, he's a lot of talk. He's a lot of mouth, but he doesn't have that mouth for nothing. He is one of the best in the league. Yeah, Seattle and San Francisco both run the Seattle scheme, which I think makes it easier for cornerbacks. And I think Seattle's cornerbacks are bad. Uh, I'll give Sherman and Kella Witherspoon, you know, they're solid in San Francisco. Rams, like you said, Troy Hill across from Jalen Ramsey is very good. I really like what the Rams got. Pat Pete kind of getting underrated a little bit now. Still a very good cornerback. Mm -hmm. But I went, like I said, the AFC East. And this one, to me, was one of the biggest blowouts we had. Really? Wow. Yeah. I think you might have my three best cornerback rooms in the league in this same division. Three best. I really like what the Dolphins are doing. Byron Jones, they got on a big money contract this offseason. Still have Xavier Howard. Those are two elite cornerbacks. And they drafted another guy, Noah. Igbenogamy, not exactly sure how to say that, but they got him in the draft. Should be a good slot corner for them. So I would put them up there with the Patriots and Bills as three elite cornerback rooms. Jay No, Josh Norman on the Bills as well. I think he can rehab his value back in his old scheme he played in Carolina. And the Patriots, besides Gilmore, they got a bunch of guys JC Jackson, Jason McCourty. Jets kind of suck, but the other three are so good, they bring it up. I feel you. I mean, I'm only questionable on the Dolphins simply because of their record last year and how bad their defense was. You want to do our worst, Frenchie? Who you Worst? Oh, man, I'm going back to the AFC South, man. I just, I couldn't find anybody. Like, they were either average guys or they sucked. Titans were uh, the best team at cornerback out of the entire division, but the Jaguars are a gutted defense. The Texans, they're okay, but they don't really have any game changers. And the Colts, same thing. They're below average in my eyes. Yeah, I had them in consideration as well. I didn't end up going with them, but the Texans, I think, are solid. The Titans, I think, are solid. The Jaguars and Colts aren't great, like you said, but Jaguars drafted a first-round cornerback. They have, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he stepped in and did pretty well after they traded away Ramsey. I ended up going with my guys in the NFC South. This is a scary division at cornerback. The Panthers, I've, we've said it a bunch, that cornerback room is awful. Eli Apple and Dante Jackson are your starting cornerbacks. That is not what you want in a division which we both agreed has the best wide receivers in the league. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and now I'm out here saying that the, it also has the worst cornerbacks in the league, so it's going to get a lot of points. But yeah, and the rest of the teams, the Saints are actually pretty good at cornerback. Jack Rabbit Jenkins is still decent. Marcus Lattimore is a star, or Marshawn Lattimore, I should say, is a star. The Falcons and Bucks are just as bad as the Panthers, though, so pretty tough. And yeah, I mean, when you're, you have Drew Brees, Tom Brady, um, now Teddy Bridgewater, all those guys can easily take advantage of a weak cornerback room. And absolutely, I mean, Eli Apple couldn't even make it at the Giants. Yeah, couldn't make it with the Giants, couldn't make it with the Saints, and now he is probably going to be our starting cornerback, so I don't love that. Yeah, absolutely. But we're here at the last position, Frenchie. Now we're going to the other DBs, the safeties. Safeties, yes, yes. In my eyes, and I think a lot of people's eyes, one of the least important positions on defense I would say it's kind of the running back of the defense where it's gone away a bit. Still some stars, obviously, who can help your team, but it seems like the NFL as a whole has devalued the position. Absolutely. Um, so that, that's what made it a little hard because, again, a lot of the guys are not being paid very well. A lot of the guys are not on long contracts. A lot of the guys don't have a lot of experience. And it kind of feels like they just plugged in anybody at safety. 
But for the best safeties, I had to go with the AFC West. Once again, my man, green. Are we agreeing? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, yes. The number one name that sticks out from that division is obviously Tyran Matthew. And I just, I think that the rest of the guys, uh, the, the Broncos have a very solid defense. They've always had a solid defense. The Chargers aren't anything spectacular, but again, they have better than average safeties. And that's all it really needs to make you the best division in this position. I think you're actually uh, discounting the AFC West here. You know, Derwin James and Justin Simmons on the Broncos, I think are, maybe they're not at the same level of a guy like Tyron Matthew or Jamal Adams, but I think they're stars. You know, Derwin James, he plays a little bit of linebacker as well. He's pretty much transformed the Chargers defense. Justin Simmons broke out last year, but I believe he's on the franchise tag this year. So, you know, the Broncos valued him to give him that kind of money. You know, I'm sorry. I got to go back because I keep disrespecting these players, but I'm sorry for disrespecting James, man. I don't know why I blanked out on him. Maybe it's just because safety has been so undervalued that I don't really remember guys. But yeah, he reminds me of a, a, a more modern Sean Taylor. That's a big yeah, in terms of he's, he's very physical. He plays up on the line, um, kind of like Jamal Adams does too. But again, that just proves my point that I picked the AFC West as the best division and I'm still forgetting one of their best guys. Yeah. Yeah, safety is an afterthought. And even the Raiders, they're decent. You know, they drafted Jonathan Abram in the first round a couple mm. years back. He was injured all of his rookie season, but he has a chance to come back. And I forget who's starting across from him, but I wasn't very impressed by it. But the other three guys, you got three stars in the division. That's enough to bring you up. Absolutely. And so for the worst division, I had um, the NFC East. I mean, Landon Collins, Jabril Peppers, the Eagles. I literally wrote trash. And then I gave the Cowboys a C plus uh, and then with a note, unless they add Jamal Adams, which of course the grade would go up. But there was nobody that really popped off. I mean, like Landon Collins, Jabril Peppers, I feel like I know their names simply because we live uh, in the Northeast, but I don't think any of those guys can do anything on the field. And I mean, all those teams last year were, had terrible records for a reason. Pretty much everybody in that entire division was uh, a contender for the playoffs at mid-year. Yeah. I mean, Landon Collins, he got a fat contract to go to the Redskins, but I do think he was overpaid and probably a little overrated as well. And they were actually, the NFC East was really neck and neck. I ended up going back to the NFC South, giving them a sweep for the worst wow. secondary, which once again, they were your best quarterbacks, right? Um, they, had, they were my best quarterbacks, my best running backs, and my best receivers. Basically my best offense division. Yeah. So you had them as the best overall offense, essentially. I have them as best receivers in contention for the other two as well. Yeah. And they go against my absolute worst secondary. So that is scary. But uh, recap the division a little bit. You know, the Saints, they got Marcus Williams, the guy famous for the Minnesota Miracle play, which, you know, that was not a great light on him, but he's he's a good safety. Keanu Keanu Neal in Atlanta, solid potential but as a whole the safeties in the division are not very good trey boston is the guy in carolina who's a good safety but the bucks have terrible safeties and as a whole i think it's a bad division for safety play absolutely and i mean it's just kind of funny uh i had the nfc south as uh best overall offense and you had the afc east as one of the worst overall offenses and then you came (laughs) right back and they had one of the best defenses and the nfc south is one of the worst defenses so it's funny to see that those divisions are so skewed offensively or defensively. Yeah, it's a good juxtaposition. There's our word of the day for the podcast. Word of the day. Pretty sure I used that correctly. Not 100%, but probably. Okay, guys, we got through that large research-based segment. Now we go to a little more lighthearted and casual one. Frenchie, who's stupid this week? Oh, man. 
I can name so many people in my life that have done dumb things that just didn't make any sense to me. But I feel like the number one people are stupid is I was out. It was about like 1 a.m. on Route 130 and I'm driving and I see in the distance flashing cop cars. So I'm like, okay, let me slow down to about five over the speed limit. I'll be chilling. I'm in the left lane. So, you know, I don't got to move over anything. And this guy just comes speeding past me. And I mean, like I was standing still. I was doing 65. He must have been doing over 100 at least. Sees the cop cars, proceeds to slam on the brakes, and then in a failed attempt, try and merge in front of me. Oh, my God. And and the ultimate kicker, man, I I thought I was dreaming when I saw it. He hit a deer. He hit a deer because he was going too fast, couldn't stop. And then he tried to merge, but I was too close, and he just couldn't avoid the deer. It was either hit the cop car or the deer. Wow. So I feel bad for that Nissan Altima, man. But I feel bad for the deer. Fuck that guy. I do feel bad for the deer too, but at the same time, like, man, why are you on the highway? Like chop, chop. I'm not going to lie. I did that movie thing where I blink as much as possible because I thought I was tired or out of it and I was hallucinating, man. Okay. Wow. So mine is motherfuckers who think they can try me on Reddit. Oh, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Came with the heat. Came with the heat. So I love Reddit. I go on it a lot, but I'm the definition of a lurker, right? I just yeah. go on the subreddits. I don't post or anything, but I've been advertising this podcast, which, you know, maybe some of you are here from Reddit. And for some of the subs to advertise the podcast, you need a minimum of five karma. And I had one karma. So, you know, just went to new on r slash NFL, r slash NBA, just trying to get my karma up, right? Yeah, yeah. And I ended up on a post talking about Dak Prescott. Oh, man, Dak Prescott. I just know where this is going. Yeah. So I got in with one of the early comments and I said, you know, Dak is a good quarterback and good quarterbacks get paid like elite quarterbacks. The only reason he gets so much hate is because he's on the Cowboys, right? And I think that's a a fair analysis. Yeah. And Reddit agrees with you, Frenchie, because, you know, most of the comments are agreeing with me and any person who disagreed with me got downvoted to hell. It was awesome. That's how you know you're right, man. When you see that like comment with like negative 50 karma, you, you just know that Reddit has come to get your back. Yeah, it was cool. I just came back. I was expecting, you know, maybe like 10, 15 karma, just enough to pass the threshold. I have 143 from that one. It feels good. Wow. I saw all wow. those people and get murdered. Achievements. They just shouldn't try to stop us, man. We have a podcast and an Instagram page for a reason. We don't just spout bullshit. That's like 50% of what I say, but that's not all <laughs> of what we do. Yeah. You know, that's what happens when they try me with a sorry receiver. Like, fuck, you know, I should have done, known done the some names, research. Man. All the research for the divisions and you couldn't just get a couple ready names. Because, yeah, I thought of it like as I was going, I was like, oh, I can do, you know, the epic Sherman line. And then I don't care enough about them to have their usernames. They're too sorry to even try you, man. Yeah. So is it time for me to take them out in French? Yeah. Um, For the American, sorry, almost threw up there, English speakers. Goodbye. Leave. If you don't want to listen to this French portion, I don't care at all. You won't even understand what I'm saying. I could be calling your mother a fat twat and you would never know. <laughs> Mais pour mes Français qui écoutent, um, pour, uh, pour les, les écouteurs internationaux qu'on a en France, on en a deux pour l'instant que, qu'on connaît. Uh, mais tu sais s'il y en a, s'il y en a plus. Uh, uh, on a Instagram, SixStringQB. Uh, tu peux nous envoyer un message, on répond à tout le monde. Et uh, j'aimerais voir uh, ce que tu Ce que tu as à dire, bien sûr, il faut que, uh, que, que j'aide uh, mon français parce que je commence à perdre la langue. Mais quand même, uh, je vous souhaite bonne nuit. Uh, je vous souhaite uh, des beaux rêves et surtout un gros appétit pour demain. Coucou, bonne nuit. Oui. Oui, oui. oui.